Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I thought it would be really useful today to have a bit of a deep dive episode in kind of how to grow on social media. Lydia Rose built an Instagram following when there was already so many fashion bloggers and she just absolutely took off. I went into social media as a social media manager. I started doing like little short videos and very quickly they were getting pushed by Instagram like a lot. How did you start to pinpoint your own social media strategy? So I went down the route of content being useful. Everything had to have a purpose. When it comes to starting to work with brands, how did that type of thing come about? Do you like generate ideas well in advance? Do you schedule them in? I don't think people actually realise what can go into the planning and creation of content. It is easy to get caught up in the sort of vanity metrics. How did you originally establish your content pillars? So, um, if you were starting your platform now, what would your strategy look like? What's up guys and welcome back to Working Hard Hardly Working the podcast. Today I thought it would be really interesting to sit down with Lydia Rose. She is fashion influx on Instagram. She has over three million Instagram followers and she really incredibly built an Instagram following when the market was already pretty saturated. Um, she originally started in blogging. There was already so many fashion bloggers and so many people doing it and she just absolutely like took off and I've always looked at her content and first of all it's incredibly useful content and she really 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 fulfills a niche but also that it's clearly so strategically done in the way that she quite clearly looks at what's working well she's able to replicate it whilst also staying really authentic to her brand and I thought it would be really useful today to have a bit of a deep dive episode in kind of how to grow on social media particularly as an influencer and particularly highlighting a niche and kind of creating a strategy for yourself and also Lydia has clearly scaled her social media in such a strategic way almost in a way that someone who was doing that as consultancy or doing that like within a business's kind of like social media arm would be able to do it so I thought it would be really useful to kind of have that and to be able to have her expertise in this she did actually start as a social media manager so she was kind of doing the role that she's now doing for herself which I think is an incredibly interesting angle when we're looking at like how to grow your social media because that expertise definitely doesn't come easy and it definitely doesn't come cheap now and it's not always a case so I think after having had this conversation it's just so clear why she grew so quickly and how she grew so quickly and how her kind of formula is quite replicable for other people. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you find it really useful. And as always, if you do enjoy the episode, please make sure to rate, subscribe, leave a review, literally whatever. It just helps us get great people like Lydia on the podcast. Um, and I always highly appreciate it. And me and my dog, Ziggy, read it. Thank you. Goodbye.
Having accumulated over 3 million Instagram followers alone, Lydia Rose, known online as Fashion in Flux, is thought of as kind of the OG of social media styling and master of functional fashion. Becoming famous with her high street fashion and styling videos, Lydia grew a dedicated fan base from her recognizable formats. Now leading the way with beauty hacks, fashion forward styling lookbooks, and so much more, Lydia has opened up about her personal life online, but also more than that, the strategy behind how she grew such a big following using the types of strategy that she would use in-house at brands that she worked with before. In this episode, we take a deep dive into a strategy that you can use to be able to scale as an influencer, particularly in saturated markets, talking all about different platforms, different types of content, how to form your own strategy, how to work with brands, and a lot more. Thank you so much for joining me. No problem. I'm really excited to have you here. I really want to talk to you about how you were able to come into an industry that was already pretty saturated. Mm. It was very much at a time where I think we thought the industry was already fully developed yeah. and it's pretty clear now that mm. it like wasn't but I thought how you did that was really amazing and like really sticking to a niche and all of that was was really really impressive so I want to go into that but first of all it'd be really great if we could just like hear a little bit about your background where you're from who you are how yep. you got to where you are now yep so I run my account fashion influx which is like a fashion in- account with sort of fashion tips hikes and styling I feel like I'm quite an like, old blogger these mm. days. I started doing it when it was blogging. So years back, I've probably been doing it about 10 years. And then moved gradually over to Instagram as it became more popular. Narrowed down to doing more social media. I don't really do written blog stuff anymore. Mm. I do more of the kind of social media based stuff. Um, and a lot of video content is what I've always mm. kind of loved doing and have pushed um, on my accounts. From Sheffield, so I'm a northern girl that does blogging and occasionally pops down to London, but mostly a bedroom blogger, which I think Mm. is like one of the things that I've always loved being and hopefully relatable in that Mm. it's just sort of normal everyday stuff. And so back at the beginning when you kind of decided to start blogging, what was your like motivation behind getting into that? (laughs) I was actually at uni Mm. uh, and my lecturers were like, you need to practice writing more. Uh, Mm. So this is way back when um, blogging was more of a thing. And I was like, right, I'm going to do some writing because I was doing an English language degree. It was boring. I did not enjoy it and wanted to do something more creative and fun. Um, So I started doing written posts, uh, but it was long before it had become like a career or anything. It was Mm. just kind of do a bit of practice writing. And then it kind of just went along with how the industry went. I did it while I was at uni and then carried on. I went into social media as a social media manager. So mm. it linked up really nicely and sort of helped me decide what I wanted to do in life. And then gradually moved into more of the content side. Um, I'd sort of be doing my nine to five job during the week and then on the weekend to be making content. And when it eventually got to a point where I was like, I think I can do this full time. I think I could do this like for a job. I went into it full time, but it took me quite a long time. I would say it was like a good like five years from being in uni, doing like studies and stuff, then going into being an actual content creator. I think it was a new industry and a new career Mm. where 
it all sounded a bit scary. Yeah. But it was a nice overlap of working as a social media manager. There are so many different stories about how people get into their expertise and how they got to where they are now. It's really easy to hear a lot of them that they're kind of like, yeah, always want to do this, always want to mm. do this. I love the fact that you were at uni and they told you to practice writing and you're like, great, I'll start yeah. a fashion blog. <laughs> and I think there's so much online now about kind of the idea of needing to monetize everything and the mm. idea of needing to like doing something as a side hustle. It sounds like at that time you were also doing something to hone your skills, which I feel like yeah. is really important and not concentrated on enough. There's so much out there that people can do that maybe it doesn't like make money. Maybe maybe it's yeah. just a hobby for now. Yeah, I did it as a hobby for years and, and it became an industry while I decided I wanted to go into that industry, mm. um, which I know is perhaps harder now because it is like people want to become influencers or they want to work in content. But it was a nice way to go into it from having this hobby something that was like a passion project something that was a bit of an escapism from work that I could do on weekends and evenings and then it became my full-time job which I think is a lovely way to like find your career is by doing it as something that you enjoy doing and then it becomes your career. When you were went into social media originally so when you were kind of employed as social media what type of company was that for? Um, so I used to work for an advertising agency. Um, so I did in-house and advertising agency. Um, but I was in an agency when I left to go full-time with blogging. And it was great because it was like a mixture of brands. And to be fair, most people only ever asked me about my blogging as experience. They never asked me about my degree. Um, I'm sure it was nice to have on paper, but nobody was ever interested in that. They was always interested in what I'd done as like this side project, what I was doing work-wise and brands that I was working with. It tied in really nicely to work with such a diverse range of brands at an agency side um, and then have my own sort of range of brands. It was quite a good thing that I'd done it off my own back. People found it impressive that like straight out of uni and you're essentially setting up your own business and people were always so much more interested in how I'd set that up and what I was doing and different ways I was working um, and I just think it shows that sort of motivation and um, that you've got that kind of push and drive within yourself to set up which I wasn't in a fashion I did an English language degree and I knew I wanted to be more fashion based but mm. I wasn't always sure how I was going to do that and what avenue to go down there's lots of traditional routes like going into internships and things but they're difficult and it's stressful and they often require you to move and things like that whereas this was something I had like full control over I knew exactly what I wanted to be doing with it and it kind of progressed from there so I think that to employers and to people that I was working with was always really like an attractive prospect on my CV I suppose. What made you make the decision to go full-time? Um, it took me quite a while because I mean I'm from like a working class background and we don't really go and live our dreams. You get a job and my family as supportive as they were, like with blogging and things like that. I had like a stable nine to five job. Like, why would I go and do something in this new industry? They didn't know anything about it. So I totally get that. But I think I waited until I was at a point where I was like, right, I've got six months worth of money to survive on. If it all goes belly up, I can go back to working more corporate I tried to be quite practical about it I dropped my hours um, and gradually moved so that I was moving over to doing it full-time um, and that was kind of the way that I eased everybody into it around me of being like this is what I'm going to go and do 
and I believe in this now and I know I can do it. So it took me, yeah, probably like over a year gradually moving into it. But I think that's so important as well as like a story and as something to share. I think it's so incredibly important because I think there is, again, so much online that's kind of like, take the leap, do this, follow your dreams, do what you love. Yeah. And it's like practically for the majority of people, first of all, having a safety net takes yeah. a long time to build. Second of all, like, is it best to jump into something with zero safety net? Of course, you're not going to be able to give your full kind of power to it until you're doing full time. But you can give a lot to it like yeah. a lot of people can do amazing things by it being a side hustle the majority of people do not have something to fall back on like yeah. do not it, whether it's kind of like bank of mom and dad or whether yeah. it's like savings or whatever it would be such a privileged position just to say all the time like take yeah. the leap and I love the way that you say that and kind of share that story as part of the fact that actually like you created your own safety net mm. you took your own time and I'm sure at that time you would have been really excited I'm sure some of that nine to five was a bit of a slog at the yeah. end I'm sure you were like yeah, like come both. on now I'm growing on social media and all of this and to be in the office on mm. nine to five when you feel like that's your passion is just outside of that it does go to show the path to kind of like quote unquote cheesy but like following your dreams is not necessarily going to be like just step by step like very clear at every single yeah. point like you forged that you made that you created your own safety net which was a very smart way to do it yeah I think it's just that sort of trying to be practical about these things and particularly if you are from that background where even taking the leap of faith and going self-employed is crazy like my parents generation like getting a job and just sticking it with the same job throughout your life that was great as first generation going to university and then going into something where it was setting up my own business that was like really wild for them so I think for me like I've been raised in that background and I needed something that would make me feel like confident about going into something like this and knowing that I could do it and, and I was at a point where it was like I was earning more than my nine to five job but I still wanted to know that that was going to carry on for a while that I'd got enough savings so that I knew it would be a practical situation for me to go into and when you told your parents that you were considering taking the leap and yeah. going freelance <laughs> and becoming self-employed yeah how did they react I think it was just very scary for them because as well like I started doing it as the industry was sort of coming about so it's a new industry they kind of worry about like the longevity of it and what are you going to do next but I'm like my job didn't exist 10 years ago so the job that I'll be doing in 10 years probably doesn't exist now like it will come about and I will have to adapt to it and move into it so yeah it's just getting your head around it I think as these things change um and they were very supportive but I do think it's a scary thing mm. when you're going from like a comfortable job where you know you're getting a wage every month to doing something that you're completely managing yourself but I think they knew that I would sort of be sensible about it and take kind of caution with going for it. And how did you find that move then to being self-employed in terms of like all of the admin that comes with that in terms of like <laughs> governing yourself in terms yeah. of like it is a crazy move when you really think yeah. about it. It's very different like having worked in a more corporate place and having like a work environment it is such a big change and you are completely in charge of everything you're doing, your time, your work, getting things done, which I love. And it is part of the perk. Like I, I love the perks of being able to like manage myself. But there is also something nice about having people like colleagues and people to back you up and people to just tell you what you need to be doing at times. It was probably quite a culture shock to get into that whole flow of it. 
I think there was probably a bit of a honeymoon period where you're like, this is great. I'm self-employed. Yeah, I'm working from home. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I can get up when I want. Yeah, and then you're like, oh, I actually, like, really need to do some work. As long as you can get yourself into a good routine, it becomes natural. And what were those types of things you ended up doing to get yourself into a routine? Like, the habits that you created that you felt were good for you being self-employed? I have to have, like, quite a structured day. Mm-hmm. I have to be, like, quite over the top with writing lists out because otherwise I don't feel satisfied with what I've done just getting up in the day when you're used to like you've got a set time you've got to be in work that is what you get up for and when you're managing your own time and your own work it is easy to like have that sort of soft office and so I always find if I get up and I'm doing something first thing even if it's like exercise then I get on a lot better and get my work done rather than just having like a full day of soft office but I try to have like a structured week as well like I'll go through my week of like Monday to Friday like Monday we're doing this Tuesday we're doing that because otherwise it all goes to pot because you have like no distinction between work day and your free time so Mm. I feel like you have to like split these things out otherwise you're either constantly working or you're not working enough. And so let's talk about the actual growth of your social media. You started the account, obviously, you moved over to more social media based Mm -hmm. things, other kind of away from blogging, and then you decided to go full time. At what point did you start to really experience that kind of growth? I'd say it was around the time I went full time and it was mainly down to video content. So I knew video was going to be like a big thing for Instagram and I started doing like little short videos and very quickly they were getting like pushed by Instagram like a lot and the videos would be reaching so many more people than my pictures ever had. Um, So I sort of moved over to just doing like video content and really pushing that because I was like, that's where I'm seeing the results. It's where brands are coming in. People want to work with me more and everyone wanted to do videos instead of pictures. And I loved doing videos. So it worked out quite well. I thought it was quite a nice way to like do like relatable content. It was a little less staged than what Instagram typically was at the time. Um, so there was less of that aesthetic lead. It was more just like everyday fashion or everyday tips. So I did a lot of video content and I think that was what really grew my account. And then I feel like you'd go to my account for video content because I was so used to doing it, um, which I still do now. I still love doing like videos and I think it really does reach people quickly and it's a nice way for people to instantly see more of you than just like a static image. Instagram had got so like posed and everything was very static and looked great but people weren't really resonating with what they were seeing on Instagram so I think having that more realistic view of video with video content Mm. worked really well at the time Um, and being someone who did just sort of film at home um, that tied in nicely as well. Hey I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, "What the f are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass." So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And how did you start to pinpoint and kind of create, I guess, your own social media strategy? I did do quite a lot of like strategy-based research around that time. Um, And I mainly went down the route of being like, it had to be content that was actually useful. Everything had to have a purpose and people would want to save it, come back to it. So I think that was mainly my strategy of kind of just making Instagram functional again focused on the saves and people referring back to content because then they'd refer back to my account and it sort of snowballed from there. Do you like generate ideas well in advance? Do you schedule them in? Do you like know exactly when you're filming everything? I tend to schedule most things so most of my things are like planned I'd say like one to two weeks in advance just because it makes my life a little bit easier. I think because my content does tend to have a function it is more themed around current events, time of year, things that are going on. Um, which allows me to plan a bit further ahead rather than it just being like, I've done this today, I'm going to post about that or something like that. So, yeah, I think it works quite nice for being able to plan further in advance and tie it in with whatever is going on sort of fashion-wise around the seasons, things like that. And when it comes to starting to work with brands, how did that type of thing come about? Because obviously that is the way that influencers make money, generally. Um, There's obviously a number of different ways that you can, but I assume that when you were starting to make more of an income on social media, it was because of brands? Originally, brands would just get in touch with like gifted things, and that was like great, um, particularly when I was at uni. But then it became more of a thing... Um, And I worked on quite a few retainers, which has always been something that I quite like, probably because I am from that background of like, don't normally go self-employed. A retainer worked well for me because I knew it was like my bread and butter income. Um, I'd have like maybe six months of content or three months of content that I could work on. Brands, I think, just adapted as this sort of content creators began to create their content um, and they knew what to take from us which I was always doing video so a lot of brands are keen to get videos in there it was also a great way for brands to include more product whereas before if it's just one image you've got one outfit or something like maybe like a pair of shoes to tag whereas with videos they were wanting like five and six outfits so it was a great way to monetize what I was doing and the videos worked quite well for me to sort of gather those retainers in and then it progressed from there to a point where I was like, right, I feel like I need somebody to help me with these things because there's only so much you can do in terms of creating the content, managing it all, mm. making sure you've got everything done. It was nice to do on on the video side of things. How long after you'd gone full-time did you start to think, okay, I'm going to need some help here? I was kind of ready for management by the time I went full-time and it does, it makes life a lot easier and... Um, I don't know I think you kind of feel that credibility that you are doing something right you are running your own business essentially you're employing your manager to make sure it all goes well and I think by the time it was more like contract based things like legal stuff that you just need like another set of eyes on particularly when you're busy and you've got a lot of things to work on brands want more and more they want lots of different things and it can be a lot to go through particularly when you're like trying to work on the content too how do you generate the ideas um I tend to have a lot of like inspo that I'll just go through and be like I really like how they've done that or I really like 
where content is going, even if it's like a style of content. Um, so I feel like video content adapts all the time. There's constantly like a new trend to be doing, not even like a TikTok trend, but there's something new that, that works really well for content. Um, so I try to go through and sort of translate those to my content and how I'd like to film or what kind of shots I'd like. Um, and then I'd sort of base it on whatever time of year we're at, which is, yeah, kind of going through a general marketing calendar. And we'll plan in around that uh, and try to keep my pillars of content like aligned so I'm not doing too much of one thing. Um, I know I've had times where you see content doing well and then you think, I just want to do that because mm. it's great. It's lovely when you're getting all this nice engagement, but it's not necessarily developing your brand or where you want to be. So I'll go through content pillars and kind of think, right, this is what I need to be doing this week. And how did you originally establish your kind of content pillars and what, what you do post, but also what you don't post? Like, what is your account not doing? I do go into insights quite a bit. For years, I've always based it on sort of saves. That has been like my main analytic that I'm like, right, if people are saving, they're coming back to me, it's increasing the reach. So I want to keep pushing that. And I felt like for years, it was the one that Instagram was keen on. So I'd go through things like that and then sort of base my content pillars around those. So I'd perhaps have styling and tips, but then I might have hair and beauty and lifestyle. And I'd kind of go through a bit of a pie chart of what proportion I wanted that to be. But I think it definitely helped me to refine what I needed to be doing and how much of each thing. Yeah, it's so funny because obviously like a lot of what we see as influencer kind of from the outside, you look at it as like posting some pretty things, like yeah. very ad hoc. I was always very strategic back in the day like I was always very clear about like when I was posting the type mm -hmm. of thing I was posting the balance of my content across different topics like all of this and there are places where you shouldn't be like that like there are places where you can definitely like yeah. just make sure you're more ad hoc like TikTok or stories yeah. or whatever it might be but I would always always encourage people wanting to grow on social media to do it as if they were doing social media consultancy for yeah. a brand and I feel like there's this assumption that you know realistically the job's not all about content creation at all it's like that kind of strategic side as well. Yeah, there's a lot of that gets said about influencers, which I, I get, but I don't think people actually realize what can go into the planning and creation of content. And yeah, like I, I treat it like it's a brand that I would have worked on as a social media manager. And I look at it and think that does not need to be there or I need to post more of these or I go through it and probably every quarter I'm like, this needs to change. It is easy to get caught up in the sort of vanity metrics of like the likes are great the reach was great and thinking like wider is this working for me as a brand that I think that's something that is good to think about these days the industry is so oversaturated there's so many influencers these days I do think that's a way that sort of distinguishes people if you are really dialing down into what your brand is as you go forward and that's definitely something that I've done over recent years it's more thinking about like the wider brand than just the engagement side of things I think the larger the viral moment the bigger the dip following the viral yes. moment as well yeah, that's so and, true. and I would always encourage for like across different content pillars you should have different KPIs so maybe with your styling as we said it's about mm -hmm. usability and your KPI is how many people save it whereas like you can have ones where you feel like they'll just reach the most people and they'll go viral. But you, as you said, like you cannot rely on those like longevity wise yeah. and creating a brand wise. 
the higher that spike, the lower the peak following the spike. And it's such like a drug as well. Like when Mm. you see something going well, like growing my social media back in the day, like when I'd be doing certain workout videos or I'd be doing whatever it might be, you try and replicate constantly what worked in a way that almost gets you stuck into a less authentic hole, but also just like, it's not always going to work twice. It's not always going to be replicable in a way that's still useful. Maybe it was just one and you kind of have to move on. Yeah, and it can push you down a route that you don't want to go down. You can end up doing more things that you're like, this isn't actually where I want to be positioned as a brand. The metrics that you get when it's something going viral can be very tempting to constantly seek those out, but it's not necessarily always the viral stuff or the stuff that's got the amazing like reach and engagement that is going to do the most for you as a brand it's hard to be like this may not perform as well but I know it's what I need to be doing or I know it's like what a brand wants to see um so I think there's more of that come about these days as there's more people doing online content where you've got to think about it's not just about the likes or the followers um it has got to be about me as a personal brand or product brand or yeah obviously you'd originally kind of really taken off on Instagram when TikTok started popping up how did you kind of feel about that any new platform is always a little bit overwhelming particularly if you do content creation as like a job it's always like another thing to think about and like it is quite exhausting sometimes to think oh my gosh I've got to think of another set of content for this platform but then it usually becomes quite exciting I think it's always like a new opportunity for where your account can go or how you could develop and particularly like with TikTok like you've seen people become like influencers overnight and I feel like that is so exciting like I saw my growth mainly a few years ago and then I've sort of tried to maintain where I've been at since but like the possibility that you could become like somebody who is doing this as a full-time job or that you could get into an industry that you really love and really are passionate about by just finding your thing on a new platform or a way a platform is now working is always so exciting. Like I feel like there's always a new opportunity, even if the amount of platforms and the amount that's going on social media these days is quite overwhelming sometimes. And so how did you kind of amend your strategy to be in line with TikTok? I know you were obviously already doing a lot of video content, which was definitely like the right place to be, but I can still imagine it's like, you know, videos that you post on TikTok don't always do well in the same way they do on Instagram. Yeah, I think it's nice how TikTok's kind of morphed into like the more casual version of Instagram and people feel like they've got a bit more freedom on there. Instagram did get very like restricted by the aesthetics and the aesthetic feed was quite a big thing for years. Whereas TikTok became about it could be anything and you would go viral for it. It's not necessarily the content that you've worked on for hours it's what resonates best with the audience. I think for me, TikTok became more casual somewhere where I could post up um, shorter form, more relaxed videos, more chatty things. And I think that's a nice extension of Instagram rather than having something where it's like a carbon copy of what you're already producing. Because why would people follow the same stuff on two accounts a bit similar to stories where it's more relaxed and um, informal and if you were starting your platform now and you Mm -hmm. were kind of starting completely from scratch what would your strategy kind of look like 
I think it would be very different to what I'm doing now because I feel like I'm constantly looking for what is the next thing that they're going to push a lot, whether it's like launching something new like Fred's or something like that. So I think I would go into whatever it is that Instagram is or the platforms say are going to be good this year. If it is video or if it's a rise of pictures again or story content. And I would base my feed around those things but keeping it specific to stuff that I enjoy consuming right now Mm. I've always tried to make sure that content is the content that I look at if I'm watching it it means I'm gonna have enthusiasm with creating it and pushing it and also keeping a lookout for what is new whether it is an app like TikTok or Lemonade or something like that like to jump in at the right time it is like being at the right place at the right time and if you can get that little window of having your niche, um, you can really push uh, your content. Like YouTube shorts are doing great at the minute. There's always space, like either it's on an existing platform that's pushing something new or a new platform to find your thing. It just takes sometimes a little while and you might find your thing and then find another thing in a few years' time. But I think that would probably be what I'd be looking for. I'd be keeping out for keeping an eye out for what content types have been pushed I think there's always merit in just trying it across platforms some of the things that I do that don't perform well perform great on another platform like I can put it on Pinterest and it'll get picked up and Mm. run for like years being shared but it bombs on Instagram so Mm. I think there's always a good opportunity if you if you spent time on that content and you're proud of it then you should try it out on as many platforms mm. as possible. Because I don't really do social media as a job in the way that I mm. kind of used to do. I more use my social media now as just like the same way I guess like my friends would use it yeah. in terms of being like, this is me on holiday. That's yeah. why I literally only post on holiday. So on my feed, it looks like I'm on holiday <laughs> all the fucking time. And it's genuinely because I'm like, that's the only time I would take a photo. Yeah. Like I wouldn't take a photo at the weekend here. Yeah. And a rule I always have is good content is always good content. Like, mm. if you are proud of content and you think it looks good and you think it's valuable, it does not matter if no one else does because yeah. the 10 people who might are going to be very close to your type of, like, person yeah. and those will be able to kind of, like, fester and grow and all of that. And I feel like every time I posted, like, really, like, content that I've loved and it's, like, bombed, I've kind of just been, like... You get you have to be fine with just being like, that's fine. Yeah. It's content that I really liked. I spent some time on and I thought it was great. Like, it might not be what anyone else likes, but it's close to my brand and it's very authentic to me. Yeah. And so, like, it will always be good content. Yeah, and I think, like, seeing it as ticking the boxes that aren't, like, your likes and mm. shares and saves or whatever is, is ticking things that you are passionate about and that you want to pursue, whether it's getting in with the brand through organic content or position yourself on like a higher fashion end um I think there's so many other ways that you can kind of gauge how well content is done other than the instant metrics that you see when like someone clicks like um so yeah I think there's a lot more to it than just going for how it's performed in that way yeah no absolutely and what's your kind of big end goal when it comes to your career when it comes to your progression um I think just to adapt and work out what I want to do long term as I go which is kind of what I've always done I feel like if I can get like a long-term career out of something that was just a passion project and that didn't really exist when I first started like that would be amazing I've always kind of worked on Instagram content as if it could end tomorrow and it would all go and I would have to go and get 
a regular job, but I've kind of stayed in an industry where I know there are overlaps to if I wanted to do consultancy or if I wanted to go into different work. But I love doing Instagram and seeing what is coming up next social media wise. And I know that whatever people are going viral for next or becoming like the next big influencer hasn't yet created been created it will come up and I think that is always like a big drive for me and constantly looking at what is coming up next so I think just having like a longer term career out of it and making it last and making sure that people sort of grow with me like I've built my followers from being like 24 I'm in my 30s now and I think like having an audience that is invested and are influenced by you throughout that time can be quite difficult. So like if I manage to achieve that by like my mid 30s, people are still interested in what I'm doing. I feel like I'm doing quite a good job and those people have grown with you. I've no idea where social media will go and what next platform will be big. You clearly have like a very strategic mind and like an ability to be able to translate what you're seeing and therefore what people will like. And that's just like the exact type of recipe you need for that type of success. I love your approach to it in terms of kind of keeping an open mind and being able to do that and being able to make a living off of Mm -hmm. it and love it and all of that is such an incredible feat. And I really like your kind of attitude to being able to be like, it will adapt and it will change. And that is expected, but also that's kind of the most exciting part of the job as well. Yeah, I feel like some of what's, been scary for a lot of industries like obviously as sort of press has become less um popular and things like that um I mean I used to buy magazines like multiple a month and now I would probably get most of my content online and I know for like a lot of people it's been very scary that these people that are doing online content social media they have sort of stepped in and now that's where a lot of people go to get their news or their information but I feel like we've got to learn to accept that there will be something else coming. Like I know my Instagram format that I do now is not going to work forever. There'll be something else that will come in and will be more popular. And you either kind of adapt and go with that or take a step back. Mm. And I feel like I want to be ready for whatever is next Yeah. um, in terms of media. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it sounds like you are. Well, thank you so much for joining (laughs) me. This has been um, such a good conversation. And I feel like so, so many tips um, and so much flying around. I feel like the way you've grown your platform in the way that it's been incredibly strategic, but you've also stayed open-minded and you've really treated it kind of as you would an account for you know working for someone else which I feel like is I I personally believe is the way to do it and I think is really valuable when looking at and kind of showing people how they could replicate that Mm. and be the next big thing and kind of create a career that they you know really love if that's what they want to do yeah oh well thank you so much for coming on (laughs) no problem mom deserves better than a drugstore card this mother's day surprise her with a truly special personalized card from moonpig add your favorite photos a heartfelt message and we'll even mail it for you the same day all for just five dollars from mom to grandma we have something to celebrate every mom in your life every mom deserves a moonpig card get 50 percent off your first card at moonpig.com moonpig.com